This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Today I want to speak um, on a topic that God has put in my heart to share with the church and share with each one of you. And uh, it's from Ezekiel 37 and I'll go to it in just a second. Uh, But I want to title my message, The Hand of God, The Hand of God. Man, I have witnessed the hand of God over my life in so many distinct and different ways. Um, Growing up, I never swam. I I was never taught to swim. I I was always told to stay away from the pool. It's something that I was never encouraged to do because uh, we had a drowning somewhere in our family uh, generations ago. And uh, because of that, it just scarred our entire family. And, and we, were set, we were told that we should stay away from the pool. And any body of water, uh, other than the shower, we were encouraged to go to the shower. That's something that we were supposed to do. But any body of water, we were supposed to stay away from. Uh, I, I still remember moving to the United States and... Uh, I was, I was on a vacation and a short holiday of sorts with a couple of my friends, and we were in Colorado, uh, somewhere near the hot springs, and uh, we were in a resort out there, and uh, there was this massive swimming pool, and uh, we, we, were on, we, we went visited on a day that uh, there weren't many people, it was, it was, and those are the kinds of days I love. It's not crowded, it's not crazy. Uh, we went during the week, it was, it was awesome, great time that we had, and of course there was a big swimming pool. And, uh, you know, of course, I, I, you know, the, the times of growing up where my parents told me not to swim had passed and, uh, you know, I got more courageous and I, I tried swimming or not tried swimming, trying, tried waiting and, uh, you know, just trying to uh, be in the pool, trying to do tricks and stuff like that back at, back in university in that gym, the, the pool. I, I used to do all of that. And with that confidence... I jumped into the pool. It was a massive pool, a huge pool. Me and my friends, we jumped into the pool. Of course, I was on the low end. Uh, did not want to do anything crazy in the deep end. I'm, I'm kind of one of those swimmers that I know how to swim underwater. Anybody like that? I don't know if you know. I know how to swim under. If you put me underwater and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there, I'm swimming. As long as my feet can touch the ground and my head can pop out, I can swim. Anybody, anybody that can? Yeah, there you go, there you go. As long as my feet... Feet could touch the ground, I could swim underwater, and I can just pop up 10 seconds later, and I have swam, if that counts as swimming. I was safe until I couldn't feel the ground under me anymore, and the water was above my head. I had gone too far. I'd literally gone too far. I was actually holding on to the wall, trying to be crazy, and, and I'd, I'd slipped too far, and I had started sinking. My friends were nowhere around me. They were the swimmers, so they were actually swimming when I was here sinking, trying to fight for my, fight for my life, not knowing how to get out of that situation. Nothing inside of me told me, you know how to swim underwater. Let's get out of here. Everything inside of me told me, I am going to sink. I am going to fail. I am going to die right now. I still remember trying with all my energy to come out, splashing all around me, nobody in sight, not one person in sight. Everybody further off because I decided to venture out on my own. The next thing I know, I, 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 I lost memory at that point in time. I think I blacked out. I was in the water and all I remember was suddenly a hand coming and grabbing my arm and literally pulling me to the, to the side of the pool and, and putting my arm on the side. And that's all I felt. I was still like unconscious, blacked out. I didn't know what was going on. And out of nowhere, I spluttered out some water. I was back, you know, conscious. I knew what was going on. And I was looking around and I'm like, I'm safe. I'm not dead. I'm safe. I'm safe. That's all I could think of. But as soon as my arm went over that ledge, I knew somebody had rescued me. But here was the problematic part. Nobody was around. Not one person. I can't make this up. Not one person was around. My friends were still further out doing their thing. And I was here by myself without a person in sight. And I looked and I was like, how did I get here? I ran up to my friends after I caught my breath. I said, hey, did any of you guys get me out of that water? They said, we don't know what you're talking about. 
And I said, I was drowning. And they said, are you sure? Because we didn't see you. We, we, we saw you walking around the left. I said, no, 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 I drowned. Like I can 100% sure I was drowning. I thought it was it. And I just felt somebody. And for somebody that strong, and none of my friends were as big or strong as me. And I'm like, somebody literally took me by my arm and pulled me out. And I have no other logical explanation but to say that God on that day had his hand upon me. I've seen that so many times in my life, so many times in my life, that when God's purposes in your life are not finished and fulfilled, God looks at you and says, my hand will be upon you till the day that I say I'm done with you. Am I talking to somebody? God's hand is powerful. And in this passage, in Ezekiel 37, we're going to be introduced to a man that literally understood what it was to walk under the unction, walk under, and walk under the anointing of God upon his life. There's a familiar passage of scripture in Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The Bible says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out of the spirit out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Read with me this passage. And he led me around among them and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, many bones, he's saying, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord, only you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you. Come on, somebody. God saying, I will. Someone say, I will. I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, muscles upon you. And I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin. And put breath inside of you and you shall live. Ooh, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them. And skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. Verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Come on, somebody. Hmm. Let me give you a slight backdrop before I get into this message. Uh, see, you see, God had called his people. His people were the Israelites, the Jews, out of captivity in Egypt. They were sojourners for almost 400 years, traveling and not having a permanent place from the time of Abraham. And over almost 100 years, they've been in captivity and in slavery under the Egyptians and, uh, and, and, and God had brought them to the promised land and had given them a land and eventually given them a king like we, we discussed last Sunday. He made them a nation, but they've turned against God. They keep turning against God over and over and over again. And so God allows them to go back into captivity to see what it feels like to be under the captive oppression of, of other people that are against them. Nations that have subdued them. In the mix of all of this, King Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian army invades Israel. They have reduced Solomon's temple to ashes and has taken many of the Jewish people back to Babylon as captive. Daniel and his friends are some of these people that are taken back. This is a situation that the prophet Ezekiel is in trying to minister to the people of Israel. The whole nation is in shambles. The confidence has been completely staggered. They have no hope for tomorrow. They don't know what tomorrow entails because all they've seen is destruction. All they've seen is oppression. All they've seen is people come against them. I don't know about you, but I've been through seasons in my life where all I see is defeat or I don't see hope for tomorrow. 
And in Ezekiel chapter 37, there's this vision that God is giving Ezekiel in the middle of the death and the depravity that the nation of Israel is walking through. This vision is dry and is as, 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 as sick and as, uh, as, as dark and eerie as it might look and seem, this vision also comes with hope for tomorrow. God doesn't negate what the people of Israel are going through. He doesn't ignore and say, what you're going through is nothing, but he addresses the darkness. And he says, this is my specialty. This is where I excel, Vicky. This is what I do best. Ezekiel is then carried to this valley full of dry bones. And I want you to imagine this with me for a second. The bones are scattered everywhere, white as white could be. It is dead and dead. There is no flesh left on it. These bones are, are dry. These bones are all over the place. It's probably been scattered by wild animals who have torn them apart. So there's nothing but miscellaneous bones as far as the eyes can see. Acres probably of dry and dead land. And for Ezekiel, this vision is, is about the nation of Israel. In verse 11, the Bible says, man, the, the, if you bring that up real quick, the, verse number 11, uh, he, he actually talks about that. The next slide, if you can bring that up. In verse number 11, he said, and he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. He's talking about the entire nation of Israel. There's no way that Israel could get themselves out of this Babylonian captivity. He's likening Israel to these dead, dry bones in this graveyard. Dead and in a hopeless situation. Maybe this describes some of us here this morning. In the situation, in our confidence, in our attitude towards life, everything seems to probably have gone, gone wrong. Your life is probably a mess. My life is probably a mess. Or at least it's not what you want it to be. You see yourself in a valley of dry bones where expectations have been shattered. You thought that you would accomplish certain things by the age that you, you are right now. You had goals for when you had to turn 30 and 35 and 40. Or, or you wanted to do certain things when you were 25 or by 25. And it it's really hasn't panned out the way. And you find yourselves in situations where you find it hard to believe that there's any hope at all. What is hope? Hope is this expectancy and this confidence that something better is about to happen. And, and, and Ezekiel is saying, man, these guys have no hope whatsoever. Anybody been there? Because I've been there. Like, I've been very hopeful. I was very hopeful when I wore this flannel shirt today. I said, it was going to keep me warm, and now I'm sweating. <laughs> I walked into church this morning. Everybody was flannel. I was like, this, the season, let's go. It doesn't feel so good right now. I don't want to take my shirt off right now. Come on. <laughs> Hope is this expectancy and the confidence that something better was about to happen, y'all. And he's saying, man, son of, bone, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And these bones have dried up and our hope is lost. We're indeed cut off. That word cut off is this word lost, perished, dead. It's this declaration over their condition. This is a horrible realization in the state of mind that these are the chosen people of God. Yet, even though God has their name on them or although God has called them, they are in so much of depravity. And this is where I want to go verse by verse from verse number one. I kind of want you to follow with me because this is important. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sat me down in the middle of the valley. It was, it set me down, not sat me down, set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. In the middle of this depravity, in the middle of this darkness, God raises a prayerful man. God raises a man called Ezekiel and he brings him to the valley. But what is beautiful over there is this phrase, the hand of God was upon me. I want to remind somebody today that no matter what your situation is for a prayerful man or a prayerful woman, the hand of God is always upon you despite of your circumstance and despite of your situation. 
You might be in the middle of a graveyard. You might be in the middle of a recession. You might be in the middle of a battle. You might be in the middle of a life crisis. But a man and a woman who prays and a man and a woman who hears from God, remember that you don't go into it by yourself. The hand of the Lord is upon you. Come on, somebody say amen. Hmm. First thing, the favor of God. What is the hand of God? It's the favor of God. Someone say it's favor. The favor of God. Anybody been through a recession and you still had your job? Somebody who lost your job in the middle of the recession, but God sustained you? Come on, am I talking to somebody? You might have lost your job during the recession, but you didn't want. There was not one day that went by that God did not provide for you. That he didn't put bread on your table. That he didn't take your children and send them to school. They didn't go hungry. Your bills were paid. Why? Because a man and a woman that is in Christ knows that the favor of God is upon them. I want to remind somebody today, no matter what, God doesn't look at you and say that I'm going to take you out of dry bones. He's not, he's, he's not sitting here promising you the absence of a valley or the absence of dryness or the absence of, of horrific situations that you're going to encounter. He just says, my favor is going to be upon you in these, come on somebody. And that's all I need. That's all I need is for the favor of God because the hand of God comes to impart anointing upon us. In every season of life, God gives me the strength. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 8, and because, and because the gracious hand of God was upon me, the king granted my request. Favor of God. The, the hand of God upon you will bring you favor in the eyes of man. It will bring you favor in the eyes of God. Come on somebody, am I talking to somebody? It is important that you have the hand of God upon your life. When you and I have the hand of God, we will be, like, G like Jesus says, you are favored by the Lord. The Lord's hand is upon you. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, the Bible says that the favor of God is what drives you from the place of incompetency into places of competency. It gives you a seat at the table. The hand of God can take you places where you, have ne where you never thought you would be. I'm talking to somebody. The hand of God will allow you to sit at tables that you don't deserve to sit at. The hand of God will empower you to do things that you didn't think you were good at. The Bible says when the hand of God was upon Gideon and when the anointing of God came upon Gideon, he went and did some stuff that was crazy, that was insane, that, 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 that destroyed the enemy's camp. Why? Because the hand of God was upon him. But it doesn't stop there. It just starts over there. He says, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down. God's presence is the foundation of everything we're going to study this morning. He brought me out. He took, there are times that God is going to lead you into the valley of dry bones. Am I talking to somebody? We got to stop thinking that it's the enemy all the time trying to bring us into places where, where it's dry and desolate. Sometimes God leads you into those places. Am I talking to somebody? It's okay. Are we embracing, are we looking at our desert experiences? Are we looking at our dry spells and are we saying, this is from God? Now, in that moment, nobody wants to say, this is a test that God has brought to me. This is God leading me through this. But for a person that has prayed, come on somebody, you know that there's something about this experience. That although the shadow of death might be in this valley, he is my shepherd. Come on. He will guide me. He, mm. Because that's what David starts with. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, why will I fear no evil? Because he started it off by saying, my shepherd. Come on, son. The realization that your God is able, that your God is powerful, that you serve a living triune God who will lead you and guide you through any valley or through any experience will give you the power and give you the ability to walk through life and say, God gives me the strength. Oh, help me, Lord. He brings him to the valley of dry bones. Even if life isn't there, God is there. You know, I can live and face my tomorrow. And no matter what darkness comes at me, I can face tomorrow, Jen. Because I know it might be a dead valley, but I serve an alive God who has brought me. I serve a God who is alive. I serve a God who's kicking. I serve a God who has the best intentions in my mind. And just because he's brought me to a dead place, it doesn't make it dead for me. He is using me as a conduit. He's probably using me as an agent to bring life into the situation that is, mm, come on somebody. 
Can I preach? Can I, can I say something? Any vision or dream that is terrifying that doesn't have God in it is demonic. Any vision or dream that doesn't have God in it is demonic. What do I mean? He's having a vision of dry bones. It is a dark cemetery that he's seeing. But he says, God is there with me. Am I talking to somebody? See, that is the difference. A lot of people have visions and dreams. Pastor, I have a vision. What did you see? I saw some dark black crows just like surrounding me, Pastor, and it was crazy. It was scary. That's demonic. Let's cast that out. But no, if that it comes coupled with hope and saying, but God in his infinite, come on somebody, in his mercy, in his grace, in his love came through for me. Like this is something that Christians and believers need to understand that God will not give you a scary dream that he doesn't plan to be in. Oh, he's all about scary. He's like, bring scary on. But let me tell you, though you pass through the what? Though you go into the fire, I will be the fourth. He will never show you a fire that he will not be in the middle of. Can I, can I preach this morning? Is that okay? Are y'all catching on? Y'all slow this morning. All right. He's seeing a very dark dream, very, very dark dream. But Jeff, he's also saying that God is with me. He's, he's saying God has led me to this point. He will lead you to those points. All you got to do is pray. All you got to do is stand. It was full of bones. Verse 2, and he led me around among them. He's giving them a tour of this. Jesus is like, God is like taking them through this entire graveyard, giving, giving him a tour. Look, this is where so-and-so's bone is. This is where this bone is. And that. he is giving them a full-on tour. And behold, there was very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. Y'all, it could be the scariest and gnarliest and the emptiest of dreams. But if God brought you to it, you're going to be all right. He can give you a tour of the facility. He can give you a tour of your darkness. You can walk through the valley of your shadow of death and look and take pictures of those. Come on, somebody. Stop crying in your valleys. Go in and take selfies with your valleys. Go in and take selfies with the darkness you're going through because one day you can look back at it and say, but for God, come on, somebody. I was able to be joyful. I was able to be joyful. I was able to be joyful in the middle of my sorrow because God was with me that's what the hand of God can do the hand of God can bring you joy that no situation can bring you it can be hard to trust in the valley of bones it can be hard but that's when I know he's leading me see you can't follow someone you don't know if someone just randomly comes up to the roof to the road and says in front of Walmart when you're shopping Rebecca and says come on follow me you're gonna just drop your bag no, right? <laughs> but if Ron comes up running to you and says, Rebecca, follow me. Are you going to go? You are. <laughs> Why? Because that's somebody she trusts. It's bone of her bone, flesh of her. Like there's this, there's this trust factor involved there. Like when God says, I lead, you follow. Come on, somebody. When he says, I am with you, there is a sense of trust that comes with it. Man, when you get to know somebody, it's easier to trust. When we sing, lead me where my trust is without borders. We're like the sheep that says, man, I will only follow somebody that I know. A, sh a sheep will only follow its shepherd. It won't follow anybody. You go to a pastor and you say, he'll walk right away from you. <laughs> but all the shepherd's got to do is just go stand in front of him and start walking. The sheep is running. You know why? Because the sheep trust the... And when God is giving him a tour of this place, Ezekiel is just like... Da, 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 da. He's like following him because he trusts that if God has brought him to that place, the hand of God is upon him. Someone say the hand of God. Ooh. My question to us, some of us is, do you have the willingness to go where he takes you this morning? Verse three, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Ezekiel says, and I answered, oh God, only you know. 
Can I tell you something? Ain't no way God is going to bring you to the valley of dry bones and not say anything to you. Come on. There's, there's no way that God is going to bring you to a valley of dry bones and keep quiet. Like God is looking at Ezekiel and saying, man, what do you think? Like he's saying, can these bones live? Like, is your situation scary? Listen, probably try to listen more than you are talking in that season of dry bones. Okay? But God is asking him a question. And, 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 and he, I think God wants a pragmatic answer. Because what God really wants to know is not a yes or no answer. He wants to know what he feels. God is wanting Ezekiel. He's, he's saying, man, do you, do you sense? Do you see the possibility? What do you think, Ezekiel? Can I tell you something? God never asked a question to get the answer. He asked the question to get your answer. He knows the answer. Like he looks at his disciples and says, who do you say I am? Forget what everybody else says. I don't care what the prophet says. I don't care what people say. I don't care what the other disciples or the followers say. My thing is you. What do you think? Who do you say I am? That's his question. I want to remind somebody that God is limitless and not restrained by time or space. Yet, God moves at the pace of your faith and your understanding. The ability and the, 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 the comprehension that you have and the ability that you have to move at the pace at which you move is the pace at which God will keep up with you. He will slowly unravel plans at the pace at which you are willing to see those plans. Brother, I'm not seeing what God is about to do because your faith has not yet measured up to that point where God's like, you're ready for this. Because you will never understand the amazing things that God is going to do standing at the point of your mystery. If your eyes are clouded, if your eyes are closed, if your eyes cannot comprehend the season that you're in, God's going to work with you. In that season, for you to work whatever you're working through, those emotions, those, those faith feelings that you have, God is working through that in your life to bring you to that point where he can do what he wants to do in your life. It doesn't make sense for the hand of God to be upon you. It doesn't make sense to be led by the Holy Spirit, guided, directed by the hand of God, and you still don't believe that God is able to do something impossible in your life. I really want to encourage somebody today. Like, where does your faith kick in? Like, it's impossible for you to call, for me to call myself a Christian, for me to call myself a believer, yet when my test, my faith is tested and put up against a wall, I just crumble and I just fall. In the middle of frustration and futility, do I see possibility? Like, I don't know what the future holds. But I state with complete certainty that I know whose hand is upon me. Because of that, if you ask me, man, can these bones live? Man, I'm going to say, yes, I believe with all my heart, God, that these bones will live. Like the question to some of us is, do you believe in your heart that God can save your family? Those dry bones in your family, those dry bones in your children's life, can you believe that your children will come back to the Lord? Or your, your marriage will be restored. Or your finances will be restored. Or your ministry will be turned around. I want to remind somebody because God's hand is upon you. It ain't over till it's over. Because God has to put a full stop to your story. A marriage can come back together. A family can come back together. A church can come back together. A business can come back together. A dream can come back together. Hope can come back together. Why? Because God started the story. And if it was God's idea, he doesn't abandon the story halfway. But I like Ezekiel's answer. Ezekiel's playing it safe. Ezekiel's not messing around. Ezekiel's like, I don't know what to say, but right now I'm just going to say, God, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's the right way, right? He's like, Lord, it's, it's actually very biblical. Lord, you know. You're all knowing God. Why are you asking me? I'm not God. I don't feel that there is cynicism here. It's not cynical. It's not pessimistic. Like the scene is so dark and hopeless that when God asks Ezekiel, man, can these bones live again? Ezekiel can't find enough faith to say yes, but only man, God, you know, Lord. I want you to, I want you to journey with me. There's probably not great faith on the prophet's part, but it was great obedience. 
Ooh. I, I, I want somebody to be encouraged today that it's not great, like, like it, it, the, even though you don't have the faith sometimes and your faith is weary and your faith is weak sometimes, as long as you're willing to say, yes, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. But if I'm being obedient and I'm in this journey with you, if I can say yes, man, I believe it's not great perfected mountains of faith that God needs from you. It's just enough faith to obey God and just say yes to God. Verse four, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. God is now wanting him to move from examination to prophetic proclamation. So the first part was see, look, open your eyes, see the possibility. And then he moves the believer to the next stage, proclaim by faith, declare, prophesy. Someone say prophesy. He receives instructions from God that he must prophesy, he must speak to these dry bones now. Do you know that God's going to ask us to do some crazy stuff as believers and Christians that you're going to look at and you're like, Lord, what, do you want me to look crazy? Yep, sure I do. Because that's what faith looks like sometimes. It looks like crazy. He says, preach to these bones. He says, prophesy to these bones. And Ezekiel says, dry bones, hear the word of God. Ezekiel has to go to this graveyard and tell dead dry bones that God's word said it ain't over until God said it's over. I'm telling you, God sometimes sends us to dry areas in our life and, and sometimes it's our husband, sometimes it's our wife, sometimes it's our children, sometimes it's our own spirit and soul that you need to encourage in the middle of the dryness and you need to proclaim, you need to encourage and say, get up, shine, let's wake up in the morning, let's put on our clothes, go put your makeup on, put on some deodorant, get out there, go work. It doesn't seem like you want to do it. It's, it's disaster, it's a valley, it's fine, but get up, go do it again and again and again and again why because God's hand is upon you Ezekiel has to go down to the cemetery and tell the dry bones that God is not done with them as yet God he has to tell them I know how you feel I know you're dry. I know you're withered. I know that there's no more hope. I don't even know if there's any marrow left in you but God is not done with you as yet Oof. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. Verse 6, and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. I want to pause here to talk about the Holy Spirit. All through the Bible, we're giving symbols of the Holy Spirit. Through these symbols, we learn who the Holy Spirit is. And how he manifests himself and, and interacts with his people. I think Pastor Beverly is doing a study in, in the Holy Spirit. And if you guys want to do that life group with her, contact her after service. The Holy Spirit is described as fire in the Bible. It's described as oil. It's described as water, as dove, as, as a wind. Fire is the purifying and the illuminating and the searching ability of the Holy Spirit. Oil is the healing and the comforting and the consecrating anointing that the Holy Spirit imparts. The Holy Spirit is water when it comes to cleansing and giving life. The Holy Spirit is a dove when it's gentle and peaceful and comforting and guiding and warning. And then finally there's the wind that the Bible talks about. I don't really have time to talk about the wind, but if I did, I would bring this to your attention because this is a 45-minute sermon in itself. I'll, 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 I'll put it in a nutshell. In Exodus 14 and 15, it was the wind that opened the Red Sea. And it was the wind that closed it. In Genesis 8 and verse 1, it was the wind that dried up the flood waters from the earth after it rained for 40 days and 40 nights straight. The wind. In Exodus 10, it was the wind that brought the plague of locusts upon the Egyptians. And it was the wind that took them away. In Numbers 11, it was the wind from the Lord that brought quail to the complaining Israelites. In 1 Kings 18, it was the wind that brought the rain that ended a three and a half year drought in Israel. Let me speed up and go to Acts. In Acts 2, it was a wind that gushed into the upper room. In the, in the Hebrew, it's the word ruah that came in and people were filled with the Holy Ghost anointing. 
That word wind is the, wind, the word ruah. Someone say ruah. In Genesis 2, 7, the Bible says this, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils in the breath of life, and man became a living soul. He breathed into him. The same word that's used in Ezekiel and is used in all the other passages is used again in saying he breathed, God breathed. And in verse 5, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. That Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of change. It's the Holy Spirit of transformation. When the hand of God is upon you and the anointing is upon you, transformation is a must. Is a non-negotiable. You will be changed. You will never leave the same person. I'm talking to somebody here tonight who needs a change. You need a fresh fire. You need a fresh life. You need a refreshing. There's some people that are spent. You're fragile. You're at the end of the rope. You're, you're all bones and you need the power of God, the wind of God to blow through your life right now and bring change. It was not the fire in the valley that day. It wasn't oil, it wasn't water, it wasn't the dove in the valley that brought restoration and resurrection to the valley of dry bones. It was the wind of God, the breath of God. And sometimes we need the fire, sometimes we need the oil, sometimes we need the water, sometimes we need the dove. But when you need change and transformation and resurrection and when you need the power of God to come into your life and quicken and raise something up from your life that has died or is dying, the ruah, the breath of God, that he breathes into creation. That is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you need. I don't know what situation you're going through. It's a restorative situation. In this situation, I want you to listen to me. The dry bones just didn't appear out of nowhere. These were bones that were alive at one point in time. I'm talking to somebody here today. These bones were just not existing bones. These were not animal bones. These were not bones that just surfaced from nowhere. These were bones that were attached to one another. They had muscles. They had sinews. They had life. They had breath. And it died. It was a dream that was alive that died. It was a family that was alive that died. It was a vision that was alive that died. It was a marriage that was alive that died. I don't know what is dead. I don't know what is bones. But today I'm looking at somebody that had something alive. And it was snatched away from you. It was taken away from you. It was buried. It was put in the ground. God is looking at some bones and saying, I have the ability. If it's my power. Come on somebody. Mm. bones are about to join back up formless back to form isn't that what God's specialty is the Bible says the earth was without form it was void God steps into the darkness and he says be gone Whew. when God breathes he inspires us to move from useless to useful he turns chaos into cosmos. He turns darkness into light. He turns formless into form. He takes lifeless and turns it into life. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has the power to walk into any dead situation. Take any dead situation and turn it around. Transform it and resurrect it. Give it new form. Give it new body. Give it new strength. Give it new structure and say this is yours. I'm going to talk about that in just a second, but he says, speak the word, prophesy over it. What is prophesy? Speak into existence something that is not there right now. Something that is going to happen. So the plan of God was that it's going to happen. All you got to do is speak it into motion. That's what prophecy is, something that is going to happen in the future. You speak it into existence. So he's saying it's already happened in the heavens. I've released it in the heavenly realms. I've released it. And God is speaking to some of us today and telling you, I have released it. It is on your tongue. Life and death is on your tongue. Man, he says, go and speak. The combination of the word and the Holy Spirit, it's an unstoppable force. Come on, am I talking to somebody? And while he's preaching, while he's prophesying to these bones, the Holy Spirit starts doing a work starts moving in verse 7 so I prophesied as I was commanded and I prophesied and there was a sound and behold oof, I'm, I'm telling you something hmm. as I prophesied a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone when the word of God is released you better expect something to happen 
This morning, as I preach the word, every Sunday, when you come to church in the morning, if you come with an open, expectant heart, expect something to happen because the Holy Spirit just doesn't just stay and hover, hover around. He takes the word and he does something in your life with it. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He brings conviction. John, you can get ready to come up here. When the word of God is released, something starts moving. That's what the word reminds us too. The word doesn't return to him void. That's what the Bible tells us. When that man started prophesying, when he started preaching, bones started connecting. And verse 8, I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them. Oh man, bones started coming together. Structure began to be restored. The bones speak of stability. The muscles or the sinews speak of mobility. Flesh speaks of ability. I want to break this down real quick for you. Write it down. It's not on the screen. Restore, he restored structure to the dead dream. He restored structure to the, to the life of Israel. He looked at Israel and said, what you're lacking is structure. You guys have been running amok. Disobedience at its core. Your structure, your backbone has been broken. Come on, somebody. When you give in to the gods of the world, you don't have a backbone. Your backbone is broken. You lean into the ways of the world. That's why Christians need to stand up for what you believe in. I don't care what the world wants you to do and say and lean into. I don't care about the ideology of the word. What God says is true and I will stand for the truth no matter what. Have a backbone. This nation does not have a backbone anymore. And I'm speaking life over this nation. And I'm saying stand up. Bones receive life in the name of Jesus. If Ezekiel could speak to the people of Israel and say, you don't have a skeleton, you don't have a backbone, you're bending for every nuance of the enemy and bending to every cultural norm and cultural expectancy. God is looking at America today and say, grow a backbone. He's speaking to our bones and say, come back to life. Bone went to bone and, and it starts with a church. It starts with the body of Christ who needs to come together. Some of us who have let, let go of our convictions, who have leaned and leaned and leaned and leaned and leaned to where you can't lean anymore. And you're so bent that God's like, stand up straight again. I'm serious this morning, church. You may like this message or dislike this message. For all I know, I don't care because God has asked me to share this and I'm going to share this. It starts with the church. It starts with the church and the muscles that holds the bone together. It talks about the mobility. We're not moving as a nation. We're not moving as a church. We're not moving as people. We're not moving in our dreams and what God is putting because we don't have those muscles. And God says, man, when the Spirit of God is released, when Ruah was released, the bones start, guess what? When the bones started coming up together, everything else started falling in place. Mobility started. The sinews and the muscles started moving. That's the muscles that holds the bones together. But here's the problem. The bones are blaming the muscles for not having it together. And the muscles are blaming the bones for not having it together. And as long as the body of Christ is divided, we're going to have issues, y'all. But as soon as the bones came together, the rattle, the rattle, the bone rubbing up against bone, the, 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 the muscles started talking to one another. Flesh that holds the veins and the organs and the blood started talking to one another. Let's get our, let's get our act together right now. And the flesh started coming together. And the last thing to come together was the skin. The thing that protected everything else. The problem is the skin, we've lost skin a long time ago. We lost it a long time ago. And God wants to restore our country. God wants to restore our people. God wants to restore our families. God wants to restore our culture to a godly culture, to a godly people. And He needs a few people that could stand up and say, yes. That's all. Listen, the transformation and restoration all started by the hearing of the word. It started with a man looking at himself and saying, the hand of God is upon me. My brother, my sister, remind yourself day after day, you are not off this world because the hand of God is upon you. You may be in this world, but you're not off it. 
Because as long as the hand of God is upon you, you are different. You're a Daniel. You're a Shadrach. You're a Meshach. You're an Abednego. You are going to be in a valley of dry bones. But remember, you're not going in it alone. I am with you. My hand is upon you. Dry bones have years. If only you can prophesy. Maybe you've never heard this before, but I want to talk to somebody today and say, dry bones have years. If only you can speak. Only if you can speak, it has years. Dry bones, man, I'm telling you, mountains have years. Only if you can command it. Your womb has years. Command it. Money has years. Your job has years. That cancer, that fibroid, the diabetes, it does have years if you can preach to them. Oh, brother, you're being... You're being really bold today. Yes, I am. Because the power of God is on your tongue. And he looks at Ezekiel and say, you are in the valley of dry bones, in the, in the valley of nothing. And out of you is about to come words that is going to birth things that were once dead. Oh, come on. Recreative ability. Bringing back into being. And for some people, it's God sending you into somebody else's mess. It's sending you into somebody else's brokenness. You know what the first thing Christians do when they see somebody else's brokenness? They run away from it. It's sad, but Christians are supposed to be attracted to other people's brokenness. To say, maybe God is giving me the ability to be there for you. But brother, I don't have it together. Who, who am I to be there for somebody else in, in their mess? You don't need to have it altogether. Ezekiel, you're human too, but the difference with you is the hand of God is upon you. You don't need to be all that and something for you to walk into somebody else's graveyard and speak life and prophesy life into them. God could use you as a conduit today. God could use you as a tool. He can use you as a pipeline to bridge. He can use you as a pipeline to bridge marriages and families and generations. When Ezekiel comes face to face with dry bones, he was asked to do one thing because, because they have years, even though they're bones, they're very dry. God's like, prophesy to them. They have years. Verse 10 is what the most beautiful thing is. So I prophesied as he commanded. Oof. And breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Bones to army. That's a huge leap, huge leap. But it started with the realization that I'm not in this valley alone. I have the hand of God upon me. When you walk into that job, Jenny, know that the hand of God is upon you. When you walk into that impossible situation, know that what makes you different and what makes you a cut above the rest is that the hand of God is upon you. And you can walk into any situation with your head, head held high because the hand of God does not leave the righteous. Let's not leave the righteous. Would you stand up to your feet with me? As I pray and as I close, I want the worship team to come up and as they lead us in a few moments of worship, I'm just going to open up the prayer floor if there's anybody that needs prayers. Thank you, Jesus. I'm here to pray for you. God is able to lead you today. He's able to guide you. He's able to lead you. He's able to give you strength. I don't know what dry situation I spoke to today. I don't know whose dry situation I spoke to today. I don't know whose cemetery I spoke to today. here's the difference I want, to, I want to speak over somebody today two weeks ago we spoke about leaving bones where they belong here's what I want you to listen up some of y'all sat there and you're like pastor two weeks ago you said something else you said take all the bones put it in the ground because that's where it belongs See, there are bones that you keep 
And then there are bones that God preserves and says it came to a finality and I will restore that. There are things that God in His beauty brings back into life. Ashes to beauty. I want to speak this over somebody. And those things, you don't need to force it to happen. You don't need to force it to happen. Those are situations and circumstances that you don't need to force to happen. Normally, Lazarus would die. Normally, Lazarus would die. That's the normal. That's what happens normally. Normally, Jairus' daughter would die. And when Jesus did ministry for three years, I am pretty sure that hundreds and thousands of children and men and women went through the natural life cycle of dying. Corpses and bodies were buried. But there are miraculous moments that God chooses in people's lives. That God says, it is my desire and my wish for those bones to be resuscitated, to be brought back to life. God is not done with this nation as yet. If he was done, we wouldn't be here. God isn't done with your family as yet. If not, you wouldn't be here. Am I talking to somebody? Like, he is not done with your existence. My God's hand is upon you in every sense. And because of that, there are things that, that are pulling you down, that are dragging you down. And God says, man, I have the ability to breathe my life. The Holy Spirit if you allow him, can make change and bring change. Father, would you move in this place, God? Thank you for this word. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I want each of y'all to respond today as I pray over you. If this was a word for you, say, Lord, I need restoration, God. I need restoration, God. I need you to resuscitate that which is broken, that which is dead. The bones that are lying all around God, I need you to resuscitate. Bring it back. And for some of y'all, that's you. That's you. You're probably just walking around and just existing. And God says, I want more out of you. I want more from you. And there's more to be done, more to be seen, more to be accomplished. But He wants you to open your mouth and prophesy over yourself. Prophesy over yourself. Speak over that dead situation today. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.